Awesome. Well, great to see all of you here this morning. Thank you so much for coming and joining us here. Uh, if you're watching online, good morning to you as well. Thank you for coming and uh, spending a uh, little bit of your morning with us here at Connect. If it's your very first time, either here in person or online, welcome. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect Church. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, I get a little bit frustrated sometimes where I'm watching or when I'm watching a movie or a, a TV show, maybe I'm reading a book and, and it's a great story and I'm enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm like, you know what? I feel like the, the author here has a little bit of a hidden agenda. I feel like the producer of this show, the people who made this movie, they have a little bit of a hidden agenda that they're trying to get across here in this movie or this show. Um, I'll give you an example in case you're not sure what I'm talking about. How many of you have seen the movie Rudy? Anyone seen the movie Rudy? Okay, great movie. I remember watching this movie and it's just this wonderful story about how no one is too small and we need to believe that we can overcome the odds to fulfill our dreams and I'm loving this message. But then halfway through, I kind of figure out, you know what, I feel like there's a little hidden agenda here. I feel like this movie's trying to convince me of something here. They're trying to get across the point that uh, American football is a great game. I see what you're doing here, yeah, yeah. So I switched it off straight away. I'm like, no way, you're not gonna catch me with that. And uh, I chose to watch a different movie instead, another similar theme, a movie about how young people were told they were too small, they would never win, but they overcame that and they went against the odds and they defied that and they became a winning team. Uh, of course, I'm um, talking about the greatest sports movie of all time, Kicking and Screaming. Uh, if you're familiar with this movie, much better movie, you know, the same message, but no hidden agenda whatsoever. You know, it's just a real overcoming story uh, set against the backdrop of the greatest sport in the world. Um, no hidden agenda here either this morning at uh, Connect Church as to what Dave thinks is the best version of football. But... Um, did you know that 2,000 years ago, there was a guy by the name of John, we've been talking about him for the last few weeks. John, he wrote this book because he had an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. He'd experienced what it was like to live alongside Jesus, to see with his own eyes the miracles he performs, to hear the teaching that Jesus gave. So John decided, I cannot go to my grave, I cannot die without writing these thoughts down. Those that know me have heard me tell these stories, but I want these stories to live on. So I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write an account. There's, there's, there was already some accounts in circulation written by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But much later, John decided he was going to get his thoughts down on paper also. And John, in his book, there's no hidden agenda. There's no hidden agenda in why John wants to write these things down. In fact, we're going to discover here in a second, there is a verse where John very clearly states why he is writing what he's writing. I'm not trying to trick you into, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly why I've written this stuff down. John 20, verse 31, the disciples, and John was one of them, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. So John said, hey, I've written down some signs here, but these are just a few of them. There were so many others. But these are written, here's, here's my agenda. These were written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. He says, hey, I'm not trying to hide anything here. It's very clear why I'm writing this down, so that you will believe based on what I saw. 
that you will understand what Jesus did. You will understand the power of who he is. John is wanting us to understand 2,000 years later that biblical faith is belief based on evidence. Biblical faith is belief based on evidence. So there are many of us here this morning that have made a decision to follow Jesus. And while it took a step of faith somewhat, while there came a point where we said, okay, um, I believe enough to take this step forward and to believe in Jesus, to, to choose to follow him in my life, it wasn't just blind faith. There was enough evidence of, of what people who were eyewitnesses of Jesus have to tell us. What my friends and family and neighbors who have experienced Jesus in their life, the stories they've told me, that was enough to convince me to take that step of faith. So over the last few weeks, we've actually been looking at the signs that John reported and recorded in his book. They're wonderful signs. There were only seven of them that he recorded, actually eight if you include the resurrection, but seven specific signs that John talks about uh, in his book. Some of them affected hundreds, even thousands of people. We learned weeks ago that John um, witnessed Jesus transform water into wine, and everyone at that wedding ceremony got to experience that miracle. A couple of weeks ago, we learned that Jesus fed 5,000 and we know it's more than that because in John's account, he said there were 5,000 men there. So we know there was more if you count the women and children. Thousands of people got to experience the power of Jesus through that sign. But this morning, we're going to look at one sign that really only affected one man. Really only had an impact on one man's life. But the fact that we're still talking about this 2,000 years later will show the impact it had on others at that time and even us today. So let's read about this particular sign. John chapter nine, verses one through two. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it, his, was it because of his sins or his parents' sins? You see, in this particular culture, uh, the understanding was that if you were sick like this, then, then someone was to blame. Either your parents did something wrong or you did something wrong. So not only are we going to learn this morning the impact that Jesus had on this man's physical condition, we're going to discover it had an impact on his, his emotional and his mental condition as well. You imagine the, the shame of living with a disease that everyone around you assumes that the reason you're like that is because you've done something wrong. And if it wasn't you, you've come from a pretty bad family because they must have done something wrong. So Jesus decides, I'm going to nip that in the bud right away. In John chapter 9, verse 3, he says, It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So when he says it's not because of his sins or his parents, he's kind of inferring here, No, it's nothing to do with that. We live in a broken world. That's what Jesus is saying. We live in a broken world, and because this world is broken, there is sickness, there is disease, there is death. And this wasn't the way God intended it originally, but because sin is in the world now, because this world is broken, people will get sick. Now, when he says this happens so the power of God can be seen in him, it's important to understand here, we know, we know for sure that it's inconsistent with God's character to think that God actually causes that pain and suffering. But what Jesus is saying here is that God can use this platform of our pain and our suffering to display his miraculous power and strength. And we're going to see that play out here this morning in the life of this blind man. But 
I want to encourage you this morning to say that I believe that this still continues to this day. That God still wants to use situations to display his power. The power of God can be seen in us. I, I asked Casey this morning, my wife, if I could share this story. She gave me permission. So several years ago, um, she was starting to get some pain and some discomfort. She went to the doctors and she was diagnosed with a very painful autoimmune disorder. They tried to figure out some treatments but weren't very successful and, and over time it got worse and worse and there were some days where the pain was just so great that all she could do was just stay in bed, just in, in, in excruciating pain. It was such a hard time for us as a family seeing um, Case suffer like this, for the kids seeing their mum like this. You know, it's just a really difficult time to go through. We were praying, God, please, please heal her but this pain just continued on. She went to see doctors and couldn't really get any good results. After a while, she started to discover that um, the foods she ate could have an effect on it. You know, some foods really caused flare-ups and a lot of pain to come, and some didn't. So she started to, to change her diet, and, and she actually got to a point where she was able to kind of manage this disease that she had. If she was careful about what she ate and drank, she was able to live somewhat pain-free. She still had pain, but not enough pain um, to stop her from doing things. And this went on for years, two or three years. We would pray as a family and just ask God to, to heal her, and it, it just didn't happen. And I can remember there came a time where we were going on a trip, Casey and I. It was actually a trip with the church. We were going down to Ecuador. Uh, we'd been invited to go down there and uh, witness some of the churches that we've helped to start down in that community to look to see what we could do to, to, to reach some more communities, some more people in poverty. We were so excited about going. We were going with a group of pastors and leaders that we'd not met before, and all of us were going down to see the works of um, Compassion International down there, and uh, just a super exciting trip. And we were at this airport, ready to get on this plane to fly down to Ecuador. It was going to be through the night. It was a long flight. And uh, Casey, we ordered some food from one of the restaurants there at the airport, and unbeknownst to Casey, there was, there was something in the salad she ate, one of these food groups that caused these flare-ups, and she didn't realize until right after she'd eaten it, and then straight away she knew because instantly that pain started to come. So I was talking to her this morning, and we were kind of refreshing that, that story, and, and, and I'd forgotten some of this, but she said, I remember getting on that plane, and I was in this pain. I was thinking, I'm with all these people I've never met before. I'm going down to this country. Who knows what I'll be eating the next few days while I'm down there. She said she went in the, the bathroom on the airplane, and she just started shouting at God. <laughs> I was like, like, shout? She's like, oh, yeah, I was shouting. <laughs> like, I'm surprised at this point that there was no, you know, uh, flight attendants knocking on the door just to check. But she's just kind of noisy, so it's okay. She was like, God, I've had enough. I cannot continue to do what you've called us to do as pastors of this church. If this is going to keep happening, it's just messing. God, I, I just wish, I just need you to take away this pain. And she said, in that moment, there was like this excruciating pain she had, and then suddenly it just stopped. She said, she came back and she sat next to me on the plane and she goes, something really weird happened, like it got really painful and it just stopped. She's never had an ounce of pain since that day. And now, I know, it's miraculous, it truly is. And she, she will give and I will give all the credit to God as a, as a healing. And, and I don't know why in all the years leading up to that, we prayed and God didn't answer those prayers. And I don't know why at that point, maybe he was like, whoa, she's mad. I mean, she was, she was angry in that, in that restroom on that plane. 
And even afterwards, she said, you know, I, I still was like, oh, I, I, I don't know if I, she's still being careful about what she ate. But now, anyone who asks, and they ask on a regular basis, people will say, hey, I remember when you used to have that pain. What's that about? She goes, God healed me. I believe that God healed me. And I love it because in that moment, the power of God could be seen in her. And she gets to share that story on a regular basis. And I wish I understood why sometimes miracles like this take place and sometimes people pray and pray and pray and they still deal with pain. I, I don't understand it all, but I do know that in this moment, God healed her. And we're about to discover that the same happened to this blind man. Verse six, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So this man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. You imagine the transformation that must have taken place in this man's life, that not only could he see, but he was almost unrecognizable. He probably stooped, you know, had to feel his way around. Now he's walking tall and proud. He can see that people didn't even recognize him. So the beggar had to keep saying, yes. I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them the man they called Jesus. He made mud and he spread it over my eyes and he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. I think we miss a little bit of the sarcasm here where they've just asked the blind man, did you see where he went? Did I see? I, you, I was blind. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I heard him kind of go that way. <laughs> <laughs> so why did John choose to include this sign? We've already established that there were many others that he didn't write about, but for some reason, John felt like this was an important story to tell. I think there were a few reasons. One, it was unique. I mean, we didn't often hear that Jesus spat on the ground and made mud. I think it was powerful. This man had been blind his entire life. He wasn't just um, short-sighted or something that happened recently. Like all of his life from birth, he'd not been able to see and now suddenly he can see. Maybe it's because John, as he has in the other signs, reminds us in this story of the element of faith that was involved. He could have just said to the guy, put his hand on his eyes and said, see, and the man's eyes would have opened. But instead, he said, now, you need to do something. I'm going to put this mud in your eyes. Now, you need to walk all the way to this pool and wash it off. A couple of weeks ago, we learned that sometimes our natural gets in the way of his supernatural. Our natural gets in the way of his supernatural. God wants to do something amazing in our lives, and we come up with all these reasons why that couldn't happen. I mean, if you were this guy, how far into that walk would you, start, would you get before you start thinking, seriously? <laughs> Is this like a joke? I mean, this guy's literally just spat. I heard it. It was disgusting. I, I can't see, but I could hear what happened. He spat on the ground. Then I feel this warm, muddy water on my eyes. And now here I go. I'm walking down to this pool. And apparently when I wash my eyes, it's all, I'm going to see. I think I would have got to a point like, nah, <laughs> this is silly. I mean, you think of the conversation he had to be here. But this man trusted God. He must have heard about Jesus and the, the miracles he performed. And he just had enough faith in who Jesus was to continue that journey all the way to the pool, all the way to the point where he put the water in his eyes. And suddenly, that's when the miracle happened. 
It wasn't when Jesus started. It was when he washed the mud out of his eyes. That's when the healing took place. There was an element where that healing would never have happened if he hadn't done what he was supposed to do. I shared a few weeks ago that uh, uh, about a year ago, I, I took up a challenge with some fellow pastors to go on this trek. And uh, I, if you were here, you heard me talk about it. If you weren't here uh, in a couple of weeks, two weeks tomorrow, I leave for Nepal. And I'm going to be uh, trekking, backpacking with some other pastors. And uh, we're actually going to hike about 80 miles to the base camp of Everest. It's a huge undertaking, and I've got to be honest, over the last year, from a physical point of view, this has stretched my faith um, in huge ways. But one of the reasons I'm doing it is because I want to raise money to help plant churches in areas of the world where kids are in poverty, like the one that Casey went and I went to in Ecuador that time on that plane ride. We've seen with our own eyes the difference um, our church planting dollars can make in these kind of communities. So I set this goal of raising $50,000. And all year, I've come up with all these reasons why maybe that was a bad idea. How's that gonna happen? And, And like the guy walking to the pool, my natural could very easily have gone in the way of the supernatural. But I'm trusting God. I believe that he called me to do this. I believe this is his plan. Um, Last week when I announced this to, or a couple of weeks ago when I announced it, it was amazing. At that point, I'd already raised $23,000 and I announced it two weeks ago. And since then, I think the total is now to like $37,000. So thank you so much, any of you who have given to that. I'm uh, super grateful for that. Uh, Each dollar makes a difference. And that inspires me to believe that God can do what sometimes I doubt he can do. But while this was a unique, powerful, and faith-filled story, I actually think there was another reason why John chose to include this particular sign. I think there was something that we will learn this morning, that there was a lesson that needed to be learned back then, a lesson that maybe the church has struggled with over the years. And the reason John put this sign in there is because this this flew right in the face of the religious culture of the time. And I'll explain why. Let's read on. Verse 13. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the religious establishment. They were the religious leaders of the time because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put mud over my eyes. When I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was deep division of opinion among them. You see, back in this time, if somebody was healed, the first thing they had to do was go to the religious leaders to be confirmed that they were indeed healed because these people who were sick, they were cast outs, they were ostracized, they were set apart from society. They couldn't go to the temple, they couldn't worship. So they had to be declared clean and healed by the religious leaders so that they could continue to go and worship God. So this is why he went to the temple. He wants the miracle to be confirmed. And when he gets there, rather than celebrate the fact that there's this guy who for all of his life couldn't see and now can see, we remember him, we walked past him. Rather than celebrate that, their first response is to get upset because Jesus has broken some rules. No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, it's good that you can see, but we're not happy about the way this happened because he healed someone on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a day that God in the Ten Commandments and the law of Moses had deemed to be kept holy. 
And, you know, it, that, that still exists to this day. God did set apart a day that he said should be set aside to be holy. But here's where the problem comes in. You see, the Sabbath, the reason the, the, the Sabbath was kept holy is because the Ten Commandments had said that, that the, God wanted this to be a day of rest. So what these religious leaders decided was, well, that's too vague. Just to be kept a day of rest, that's, that's a little bit vague. We'd better make sure we put some extra rules in place just to make sure that people do keep this day holy. And these rules they started to introduce went completely against the spirit of the law. The, God's, God's simple idea for having one day was that there should be a day where, where we do push the pause button. Man, I tell you what, if there was a, a, a rule that we as Christians should pay more attention to now, it's that. We, we're so busy. We're so connected with our phones and our laptops and our iPads that, that for many of us, there's no Sabbath opportunity in our lives whatsoever. And I think what we do is we say, well, I took 10 minutes off here and I, I took a bit of a break and I went for a walk for half an hour. And, but I think there's something very... Um, Therapeutic that God put this in place for a reason. When we switch off, when we take some time just for ourselves, if we're followers of Jesus, where we use that time just to, to meditate and contemplate on who he is and how wonderful he is, maybe spend time with our family, those times are important. So God didn't put 